Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading through the entire Bible together, chapter by chapter, and right now, book by book. And look, we've kind of made our way back here. We were doing, but before we started this uh, special 2020 grand finale here, we were going through the books of First and Second Samuel, looking at the story of David, and we, uh, we, we kind of got through actually a chapter that looks a lot like this one today. Uh, when we went back, we started going through things like uh, we looked at Genesis and Leviticus and Jonah. But look, here we are. We're actually in First Corinthians, not First Corinthians, First Chronicles uh, chapter 11, which we're going to see, hey, didn't we read this in Second Samuel? So this is a, it's just an interesting chapter here. I wanted to at least do one chapter from First and Second Chronicles uh, because they're interesting. There's a lot of stuff that's very similar to what you see in First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings, but uh, you get these little details that uh, that you don't get elsewhere, like you know how Joab got his promotion here, <laughs> um, and also gives us a chance to talk a little bit more about these really interesting so-called mighty men. Uh, we, we talked about it a little bit the last time we looked at the corresponding chapter, but we can hopefully get some more of the details today. Uh, joining us as our guest, we've got Pastor Kevin Parviz, pastor at Congregation of Shalom in St. Louis, Missouri. Good morning, brother. Good to have you back. And yeah, this is uh, these are like fun little chapters. It kind of feels like something out of Judges or something, right? Yeah, good morning. Uh, yeah, it's always interesting to read these in parallel with Second Samuel because there are some interesting additions and also interesting omissions. The chronicler, of course, is uh, probably trying to put, you know, as, as we often uh, do, they tell the story with all the good stuff and don't give us a lot of the detail of the terrible things that that go on in the background. Yeah, and, and that that is really interesting in general. Like if you if you go and you compare that, like it feels like First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings are very warts and all. But well, it's not that First and Second Chronicles are trying to like whitewash everything. But it's just um, he's up like you're saying the chroniclers up to something different. I mean, it's in a different uh, situation. Yeah, it's I, I especially. I just uh, wrote uh, an endorsement for a book that's coming out at CPH for on the on the Book of Esther, and okay. I'm reminded about you know when Ahasuerus is getting tired and wants to you know kind of turn in for the night and just chill, he brings out the Chronicles of the Kings. Now I don't know if it's this book, probably not, because these are the Chronicles of his kingdom. Mm -hmm. But it's just you know funny that we. It, it, almost like a journal where we want to look back and see the good stuff. We don't really want to focus on all the warts. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I guess it depends on what kind of journal you're doing, right? <laughs> well, but, it's a bedtime story. You don't want yeah. that nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> that's, right. Right. that's right. That's right. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because I, I know that um, I, I know my wife and I were, were, were just kind of like, just as a uh, something we kind of chuckle about every so often. We're like, oh, hey, look, that worked really well. <laughs> Write that down. You know, some, sometimes yeah. you need to, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> when things like work right the first time, you just need to like kind of celebrate it and uh, rejoice it down. But yeah, no, no, certainly. So it, it'll be interesting to kind of look at that and see, uh, as you were saying, like, you know, how with a different purpose in mind, some of the same material has been 
um, you know, kind of told in a, in a different light for a different uh, situation, maybe a different audience. Um, so yeah, those are, those are neat things to, to think about. Um, let alone just, yeah, just the cool stories of the, the mighty men getting to go over those again, but and you get, you uh, get to read all those great names. Yeah. Well, and that too, right? Well, and now I'm with, I'm without excuse. Cause we did this just a couple of weeks ago. So, uh Oh, yeah. <laughs> the reason this doesn't show up in the lectionary very often. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, Speaking of those names, let's uh, let's go ahead and turn our attention to the chapter as we do so. Brother, would you get us started with a prayer? Sure. Abba Father, thank you for this day, and thank you for this opportunity to reach uh, some with the, with the Word, Lord, that illuminates and teaches and soothes our spirit. We pray that these stories from the history of our people would uh, not only bless us, but give us insight into our lives today and the way that you're calling us to live them. In, in Jesus' name, B'Shem Yeshua Mashiach. Amen. Amen. All right. So um, may, maybe just, I guess, just to refresh our memories, because it was a couple of weeks ago that we were looking at First and Second Samuel. So um, what, what's going on, especially in the Chronicles version, um, up to this point here in chapter 11, because uh, that, that is one thing that it, it would have been interesting perhaps to look at, <laughs> perhaps, <laughs> to look at the, the first and second chapters of Chronicles, because uh, Chronicles starts out a little bit different than first and second Samuel, doesn't it? Yeah, sure. I mean, there's, I mean, it is a simple issue of, uh, in, in some sense, and assuming that, of course, we take it that Samuel wrote first and second Samuel, or at least began that he, he died somewhere in the midst of that. Mm-hmm. But um, this was probably written much later, and it's written to be a more complete history. And so we start from the very beginning of creation. Mm-hmm. And and I think that because, um, you know, it is trying to be a, a complete history, I, I think that part of it, too, as you were saying, it being later, um, you know, everything ends up being in the context of the, the destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple. So like you were saying, you know, in the midst of uh, a bad situation, you don't necessarily want to go and have this, uh, maybe it's not what you need in that moment, a warts and yeah, all kind yeah. of description. Maybe what you need is uh, something that says, hey, look, yeah, it's a bad situation right now, but God's always been faithful. And I think that that's what you see in First and Second Chronicles, that you get this from the beginning perspective of, hey, guys, look, look we, we got to think much bigger than just the last, like, century here, right? Like, yeah, think about we, our God from the very beginning. Yeah, we've never been without the presence of God. Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, even even before there was a temple, right? And, and so ha- having that perspective, right, um, can be, it can be extremely helpful. And so, so yeah, so it's, you know, he starts off that way, and then, um, well, a lot of the material is similar then um, after those opening chapters, right? Yeah, and, and and certainly you start to see parallel accounts that were written in Samuel um, after you get all of the great genealogies leading up to David. And, of course, because it's focusing for the exiles on the destruction of the temple— and the promise of the temple that will never be destroyed. Right. David, of course, is going to be the linchpin uh, because of the prophecies of the 
Messiah coming out of the seed of David and David being the king that established Jerusalem. Well, and, and that's got to be um, pretty interesting, too. You think about it because, um, you know, I think I think we saw, you know, some of those prophecies like in Isaiah, you know, you, you can you can see how those might line up with um, with Hezekiah and how the Syrians, they go and they like they they destroy nearly everything. Um, but then there's this little stump in Judah that manages to hang on and survive. And okay, and so you can kind of see like a partial fulfillment in that light. But if you're one of the exiles, right, after even Jerusalem's destroyed, you're like, oh no, did we lose the stump even? You know, <laughs> like, there's yeah. no stump. It's like, it's just, I don't even know if there's roots down there. So I, I think you're right. Like that that's where you got to kind of like start reinterpreting things and going back and saying, Oh man, I sure hope that there's something deeper to this prophecy, right? Yeah, and we in our congregation for Advent, we're studying the book of Micah. And I love Micah 3 and 4 because it gives you such a good counterpoint. Uh, in Micah, you have, uh, you know, the holy mountain being plowed under and made into a a, a field. And yet it's it's always with the counterpoint that in the latter times, the holy mountain will be the highest of all the mountains. Uh, and so there's always this promise that regardless of what happens, and I love in Micah where it says, you know, you're going to go to, to to Babylon, and there you will be redeemed. And so when we go into these really tough times, we have to look for our redemption in those, and not just, you know, not just. And and in, in some sense, the chronicler here is is giving us the best case scenario, but. You know, you're right. We don't need to, like today. We I'm sick and tired of hearing about the coronavirus every <laughs> morning on the news. That's all we hear, you know. And yeah. we know this. We don't need any more of this. What's What's the good news? And that's what the chronicler's trying to do. It, it, indeed, yeah. Sometimes we uh, we definitely need a little bit of uh, something different. So, yeah. all right. Let's go ahead and read the chapter then. So this is First Chronicles chapter eleven. Uh, from the top here in the English Standard Version, and we'll we'll take a look at the uh, at, at the parallels when we get through it here. But we're just going to read it through here in Chronicles. I'll just sit back and enjoy your pronunciation. <laughs> oh goodness! Now the pressure's on. All right, here we go. Then all Israel gathered together to David at Hebron and said, "Behold, we are your bone and flesh." And times past, even when Saul was king, it was you who led out and brought in Israel. And the Lord your God said to you, You shall be shepherd of my people Israel, and you shall be prince over my people Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And the anointed gave it king over Israel, according to the word of the Lord by Samuel. And David and all Israel went to Jerusalem, that is Jebus, where the Jebusites were, the inhabitants of the land, the inhabitants of Jebus said to David, You will not come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is, the city of David. David said, Whoever strikes the Jebusites first shall be chief and commander. And Joab, the son of Zariah, went up first, so he became chief. And David lived in the stronghold, therefore it was called the city of David. And he built the city all around from Millo in complete circuit, and Joab repaired the rest of the city, and David became greater and greater, for the Lord of hosts was with him. Now 
These are the chiefs of David's mighty men, who gave him strong support in his kingdom, together with all Israel, to make him king, according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. This is an account of David's mighty men. Joshobam, a Hakmonite, was chief of the three. He wielded his spear against three hundred whom he killed at one time. And next to him, among the three mighty men, was Eliezer, son of Dodo the Ahohite. He was with David at Pastamim when the Philistines were gathered there for battle. There was a plot of ground full of barley, and the men fled from the Philistines. But he took his stand in the midst of the plot and defended it and killed the Philistines. And the Lord saved them by a great victory. Three of the thirty chief men went down to the rock to David at the cave of Adullam, when the army of the Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then at Bethlehem. And David said longingly, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem that's by the gate. Then the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. But David would not drink it. He poured it out to the Lord and said, Far be it from me before my God that I should do this. Shall I drink the lifeblood of these men? For at the risk of their lives they brought it. Therefore he would not drink it. These things did the three mighty men. Now Abishai, the brother of Joab, was chief of the thirty, and he wielded his spear against three hundred men and killed them and won a name beside the three. He was the most renowned of the thirty and became their commander, but he did not attain to the three. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was a valiant man of Kabzeel, a doer of great deeds. He struck down two heroes of Moab. He also went down and struck down a lion in a pit on a day when snow had fallen. And he struck down an Egyptian, a man of great stature, five cubits tall. The Egyptian had in his hand a spear like a weaver's beam, but Benaiah went down to him with a staff and snatched the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. These things did Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and won a name beside the three mighty men. He was renowned among the thirty, but he did not attain to the three. And David set him over his bodyguard. The mighty men were Asahel, the brother of Joab, Elhanan, the son of Dodo of Bethlehem, Shemoth of Herod, Helez the Pelonite, Ira the son of Ikesh of Tekoa, Abiezer of Anathoth, Sibichai the Hushathite, Eli the Ahahite, Maharai of Netophah, Heled the son of Bana of Netophah, Ithai the son of Rabbi of Gibeah of the people of Benjamin, Beniah of Perithon, Harai of the brooks of Gash, Ebel the Arbathite, Asmaveth of Baharum, Eliabah the Shalbanite, Hashem the Gizanite, Jonathan the son of Shagay the Harahite, Ahiam the son of Sakar the Hararite, Eliphal the son of Ur, Hefer the Macarathite, Ahijah the Pelonite, Hezro of Carmel, Narai the son of Ezbi, Joel the brother of Nathan, Mibhar the son of Hagri, Zelek the Ammonite, Nahari of Baroth, the armor bearer of Joab the son of Zariah, Ira the Ithrite, Gerub the Ithrite, Uriah the Hittite, Zabad the son of Alai, Adina the son of Sheza the Reubenite, a leader of the Reubenites, and thirty with him. Hanan, the son of Makah, 
Josephat, the Mithnite, Uzziah, the Ashtarathite, Shema and Jael, the sons of Hotham, the Aorite, Jediel, the son of Shimri, and Joah, his brother, the Tizite, Eliel, the Mahavite, and Jerobai, and Joshaviah, the sons of Elnam, and Ithma, the Moabite, Eliel, and Obed, and Jael, the Mezabite. You know, more or less, right, on the pronunciations. Yeah, you. you know, I mean, it's like we're not speaking Hebrew, so we can only no, be no, so close. Did a great job. <laughs> I would have not stumbled through all the. I would have stumbled through all those syllables. Yeah, That's it gets to be like Doctor Doctor Seuss or something, right? And yeah, and you, and you yeah. see all these like you know A's like in E's and just vowels. It's just like where did all the consonants go? But yeah. uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it's an interesting um, chapter. It's it's a lot of stuff that we saw. I, I need to find the, the parallel chapter here. Um, uh, you get to that second part. It, I mean, so the first part, there's there's two components, right? Um, the, the, the first part corresponds to something um, kind of earlier on. I mean, it's like uh, when you're in that first part, that beginning at verse 1, that's like Second Samuel chapter like 5 and, yeah. and some of the stuff like following right around there. Um, but I mean, then the once you... Of, the whole of the challenge between... Saul and David is really short shrifted here. Yeah, right. We're just kind of like, nah, let's, we don't need to do that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, and then and you I just. Was, I love it that at the beginning of 11, you know, it's like the whole nation is praising David as their king. Well, that's not yeah. happened. <laughs> well, yeah, no, that's right. And we, we remember, right, that there was, you know, this, this drama between Judah and between Israel. And, the, and then, you know, Israel being like, hey, like, we, why, you know, we have like, you know, 10 shares in the king. Why do you yeah. think that the capital gets to be um, in Judah? And, and, and all this, right? And there's all this, uh, and this there back was and a, forth. a descendant of Saul that was, uh, that was a pretender to the throne. So. Right, right. Yeah. So, so all that stuff, it's just like, nope, skipping over that. Um, and then you get, uh, it's, yeah, it's second. Okay. Yeah. So it's Second Samuel chapter. 23, 23 is where, right. where where most of this stuff comes from, and so that's the one that's it's, it's kind of interesting then to compare. Um, and I and I think that the biggest thing to me that like that stands out in my memory anyway is that um, the tale of how uh, well I guess this is actually right right before that here. But I mean, there's, we'll talk about the thing about the tale of uh, how Jebus was taken. Um, but then when you like look at the the, the mighty men. Um, you know, aside from like the little details being a little bit different too, um, I, I just remember in, in uh, the Second Samuel version, it was like you had the mention of like someone killing two Ariels, and we yeah. were like, "Hang on, what's an what's an Ariel?" Um, and that's just like, "Oh yeah, all like the weird vocab stuff." Like we okay, don't worry about that. Like the the First Chronicles version is just very easy. He struck down two heroes. He also got a lion. Like it's just kind of. Like, like kind of all the stuff that was kind of really strange is just kind of w was smoothed out or something. Yeah, and I love the detail of the, on the day that it snowed because it probably doesn't snow that often there. So that was something that really stuck out, you know? Yeah, well, yeah, isn't that interesting too, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm trying to... Yeah, I, I, now that detail is actually the, the, the same um, between Second right. Samuel... Uh, 23 and then first chronicles 11 um 
Yeah, because in the second Samuel version, it says, you know, struck down two Ariels of Moab. He also went down and struck down a line in a pit on a day when snow had fallen. Oh, uh, it, it, yeah. that's, that's such an interesting little detail. I don't think we actually ever talked about that detail when we were looking at second Samuel 23. While, while I'm like on it, do you have like a thought as to why that would be important? Well, I just know that when it snows in the Holy Land, it's a big deal because <laughs> their winter is mostly rain. And, yeah. and that's why we have all the wadis all over the place because all these these draining rainstorms that come through, and so when it snows, you know, and it's funny because when I, I get I have a lot of acquaintances and friends in Israel, and and uh, I always get the text, you know, it snowed today, and there's pictures of snow, and it's like this is such <laughs> a big deal, and, uh, and I, I think it probably was in the day of in the day of Samuel and the Chronicler as well. <laughs> Yeah. It doesn't snow that much. That, that, you know, and I think snow brings a harbinger of cleansing. I, I think that kind of that whiteness of the snow mm-hmm. on the and it doesn't snow like it does here by any means. It's mostly a dusting. But um the yeah. the the white on the land just looks so clean. And I think that it 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 does evoke that in Israelites. Yeah. I suppose well, I should say Israelis today because Oh yeah, no, yeah, true. Yes, no, that is it is a yeah a noteworthy distinction also, um, yeah. So it is just interesting all by itself that it's just you know, uh, well okay there was it was snowing right. Um, how often does does that happen? Not not very. Um, I wonder though too you know the way the way it talks about it in in verse twenty two that you know like so like how how does it put it you know it's like he he also went down. And and struck down a lion, right? Like, and and I wonder, you know, the, the, this going down, it, it's almost like he would have been going after it, like like tracking it or something I like mean, that. And I wonder if that's have, maybe significant then, because then you got you got paw prints in the snow. Ah, interesting. Yeah, and I, I, I always figured that he somehow that lion had fallen fallen into a. a pit that they had dug for the lion to fall into that's a that was a common hunting practice is you dig a big pit and then you drive whatever prey into that pit so that they become defenseless from the from the top and uh so i yeah i i don't know i'm just speculating yeah on that. but and this must well, have been uh this must, you know I, I always suspected this was a lion that had been preying on the people you know yeah it wasn't just a hunting trip it was he was out there defending uh defending whatever village that this lion was was targeting right right yeah no i i don't think you go after a lion just you know just because in this situation and you know i i mean i i guess i was gonna say you know if it is like a lion just fell down into like a like like a like a pit like a trap you know it's like it it, it kind of feels a little bit less exciting, I guess, as a story, because it's just kind of like, isn't that like shooting, you know, fish in a barrel, as they say, right? You know, though, you, he you don't... He went down into the pit to take care of this. He didn't Well, see, it. yeah, though, right? Yeah. Now that, like, that's like, that's even more intense, right? Like, I right. mean, who that's goes into the feel. lion's den so that they can... <laughs> right. I mean, because yeah. when the lion has its back up against the wall, the teeth and claws are pretty sharp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no, right. Yeah, so that's uh, I don't know. That, that's uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that there's 
uh yeah but like like, like you're saying right there it, it says you know he he does he you know he went he went down and then and that's uh i, I mean there's there's a couple different ways you can take that because sometimes that word comes up and it just means like you know basically he left jerusalem right yeah true <laughs> i mean that, that, it can't it can hey. just mean that well i mean you know, the, that is a literal geographic down i mean that's right when we go let's go up to the mountain of the lord we have to come down eventually so yeah but yeah. i mean like whatever it is like clearly it, it's it's not just that it was just like you know he just you know dropped something on this line in a pit and it was like anybody could have done it it was there there was something deliberate and something that you know ordinarily a person would say oh it's okay i'll yes yeah. but um anyways uh, so let's go ahead and enough enough of the line we, let's go back to the top here um we have to take our break here but when we get back we'll take a look at this uh some of those differences we're talking about in the opening verses everyone looking at first chronicles chapter 11 on nice strong word be right back Amid the disappointments, doubts, and distress that daunt us today, the timeless proclamation of the Christmas angel breaks into our darkest nights. Fear not, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. St. Paul's Lutheran Church de Pere invites you to a service of sacred music on Saturday, December 12th at 5 p.m. and Sunday, December 13th at 4 p.m. Hear words of biblical comfort and sing familiar hymns and carols. In-person attendance will require pre-registration at stpaulsdepere.org. Prevailing safety precautions will be followed. St. Paul's is located at the intersection of Manchester and Ballas Roads across from West County Center. This week on Issues Etc., we'll continue our series, Answering Arguments Against Christianity, getting Dr. Paul Meyer's response to the objection, there's no extra biblical evidence for Jesus. We'll get an introduction to the book of 1 John with Pastor Brian Wolfmiller, and we'll discuss the call of Abraham with Dr. Ken Sherb. Issues Etc., live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Concord Matters is the program where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, Christ-confessing Concordians read through and discuss the Book of Concord, which is our Lutheran confession of faith drawn from Holy Scripture, so that you too may be of one mind and confess with Christ. Be sure to listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central on KFUO Radio or anytime on KFUO.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Until we convene for Concord again, keep confessing, church. everybody welcome back welcome back to thy strong word we're looking at first chronicles chapter 11 uh making some comparisons here between this chapter here and what we've read before in first and second samuel we're joined by our guest today pastor kevin parviz pastor at congregation Shalom in dogtown in st louis missouri if you're in st louis you can give us a call if you're listening live 314-821-0850 uh, also, anywhere you can call the 1-800 number, that's 1-800-730-2727. You can also send an email if you have any questions or comments to kfuo at kfuo.org. Uh, you can also hop on the live stream, facebook.com slash where um, 
so yeah, kind of talking about this stuff about the, uh, the, the yeah, like these, these names where you have these big three, right? Um, if here's the question, um, if these big three of, uh, Jashabim, Eliezer and Shema were so important, uh, why do we hear, uh, why do we just hear about them in this chapter and it's parallel? Yeah, yeah, right. So why don't, I, I get your question. Yeah, so why don't we hear about these guys elsewhere, right? If they were such a big deal. Um, it's like we hear about Joab, right? We hear about him a lot elsewhere. Um, you know, there's a few others too. We hear about Uriah uh, for other reasons. <laughs> I always uh, think it's interesting that Uriah is mentioned there. That he's mentioned at it, all, right? You, you, almost, yeah. you almost would think in the Chronicles version, you just wouldn't even mention him, right? Well, and it seems it seems like that he's there as a tribute to David's sin, you know. And yeah. I always I always find that interesting. It's it's the thing that if uh, you know the kings who fashion themselves the kings after David are reading their chronicles in the middle of the night because they can't sleep, this is going to remind them. Oh yeah, we're not all that perfect. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, and I think that. Well, and that's one of those things too, actually. So, uh, when you were when you were saying that earlier about you know, hey, like things are bad, we don't need like kind of more bad news. I, I just remember like Luther's comment, like that he always was always consoled by reading about the sins of, <laughs> yeah, like the major figures in the Old Testament because he was always like, oh, okay. Whew, like it's not just me, <laughs> like, right, you know. Yeah. Like there's, there's, a, there's kind of relief and like knowing that you're in the same boat at least. You know, so it depends yeah. on kind of how you read it. But uh, oh yeah, I don't, don't want <clears throat> neglect here as as we're coming back here. Uh, we did get some email questions. That I want to take a look at uh, as well. Uh, kind of like just skimming over these here. Um, Kind of, kind of like, I guess the questions are kind of picking up on, you know, like what, what's kind of some of the significance or even symbolism in um, uh, the, the the names, like in the names, like because they all have all these names have meaning, right? Uh, yeah. They're like a lot, they're often like their their wishes or or uh, short little sentences, even um, or even like the different mentions of the different ethnic groups, right? Like, are there are there kind of like some kind of deeper messages underneath that stuff? Yeah, that, those are those are good questions here. We'll need to uh, reckon with some of those. Um, when it, before we do that, let's we'll, we'll look at the first part of the chapter. I want to thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Thank you guys for your support of Thy Strong Word, lhfmissions.org. All right, so okay, taking a look at these first chap uh, these first verses in the chapter, just so we don't skip over it, um, brother. You were mentioning here at the beginning. Yeah, it's uh you got all Israel gathered together and it's like, hey, you know, let's let's have you be king and it's just kind of hooray. <laughs> they anointed right. David king. Um uh, I don't know, like what 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 more is, is there anything more to be said about how we don't get into everything that we have in 1st and 2nd Samuel about the very messy transition. I mean, I just in a sense, when we look back in retrospect, we remember the things that went well, yeah. and uh, you know, and so I think I think the chronicler in the time that this is written is just looking back and saying, you know, all that other stuff is 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 you know, and I think we do. I think you know we have a ten temptation as human beings to dwell on the negative, 
and that just does nothing but bring us down. You know, in in some sense, the the chronicler is saying we we just want to look at the victories, and this is what happened. And there's just, I mean, eventually all of Israel came together and came together as one people, including many outside of Israel, and proclaimed David king. What's the point of of all the stuff in this in the in the beginning? You know. Yeah. No, it, it, it's fact. true. This is how it happened. This is where this is. It doesn't matter how it came about. This is what happened. No, that's right. And um, well, and, and yeah, and actually, if you kind of look at it in terms of you know Second Samuel chapter five, like we were saying, I mean, Second Samuel five does follow the same sequence in terms of you know this being the the kind of final anointing of okay yeah okay well you know what kind of like you were saying after all the drama had had all the dust had settled right and, right. and so we, we've seen that that i mean you know i mean it's so, someone could ask the question like why does mark skip over the nativity and it's like well it's not necessarily even that he's skipping over the nativity as much as it's just he's just starting elsewhere right i mean everyone has right. to pick a starting point somewhere so um, you know, in, in in the chronicles uh, here, you know, so it, it is interesting that in the previous chapter, um, you have a very different way of talking about Saul. Like in chapter ten, thirteen, it says, you know, so Saul died for his breach of for faith. His breach of faith, yeah, right. You know, like it, it's uh, yeah, I, I mean, like it, like it's a very like kind of straightforward condemning, like, hey, look, he consulted a medium, you know, um, but. I wonder if there too, right? Like, especially the mention of faith is not like to like say like, oh, well, Saul was apostate, so you know, like you won't see him in heaven. I don't know if it's like that so much as again, if the if the point is the faithfulness of God, it's like, hey guys, it's not that God let down his Messiah, right? Saul was the one who broke faith, not God, right? I mean, because I think I think that's kind of the recurring question in the wake of the the exile is that, hey, look, God made promises to us. Has God broken faith with us? Yeah, and I, I think sometimes uh, that's an easy place to go to in times of, of real trouble. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and and we, 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 so we probably, where are you, God? Why aren't you here with me when God is Emmanuel, always with us, right? Right. Uh, and yet we feel like we've been... We're alone, and uh, and yes, praise the Lord that we're still crying out to God, even if we feel like He's left us. Right. Uh, unfortunately, too many people get to that point and then leave God altogether. Uh, th- that's right. It's uh, yeah, the, the temptation to to look at it and to to not look at the not, to not look at the situation with the eyes of faith, right? Because in, in verse fourteen, especially there. Where it says, therefore, God put him to death. Um, I mean, that that sounds a lot like, uh, I mean, in Genesis, where Judah's sons, right, are okay. said to be wicked, and, and the Lord, you know, puts them to death, right? I mean, like, that, that's just such an interesting way of putting it, because it says, hey, look, this is, this is God was the one who was acting. It's not that God, you know, failed to act. It's not that God wasn't there or forgot him. No, God puts all to death, right? Um, yeah. So, I mean, not not as a, I, I think, a kind of like rubbing it in Saul's face kind of way, but but yeah, as a way of saying, hey, no, God's always active. He never left us, like you were saying, right? Um, and, and that's, that's really so I think an important, if that's, go ahead. That's really an important message for Advent, obviously, as we sit here still waiting. You know, 
Peter writes in yesterday's epistle, you know, it's not that God is slow in coming. Right. It's, you know, and so we we wait with 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 trust that God is still active and God is still is still with us. That's right. And so if if that's if that's the theme, right, that you know, hey, like God's active in all this stuff. Like, well, you know, it, it might not be super relevant to get into the, the drama of the, All the, the human, of, yeah, the yeah, human, the civil war yeah, there, right? Yeah. Like we're, right. we're just kind of, we're, we're going kind of from, you know, the, like big rain to big rain. And so it's like, you can, you can kind of skip over, um, you know, Ishbosheth that didn't last very long. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. So, you know, it, it, it makes sense in that regard. So, um, so the next thing I wanted to ask you though about, so yeah, it, it does follow a similar sequence um, in that the next thing you hear about is like, okay, so he's anointed king, and, and so then he goes to take Jerusalem. But David says different things compared to Second Samuel, because in Second Samuel, right, he goes off to to take uh, to G, take Jebus, right, the the uh, the old name of Jerusalem, and so th- they say, uh, you know, you will not come in here, but the blind and the lame will ward you off. I love that. Right, yeah, I know, and we and we, and we talked about that, and now that's that's there's all kinds of interesting stuff in that. But right, so then he says, you know, whoever would strike the Jebusites, let him get up the water shaft to attack the lame and the blind. Right, yeah. So that um, th- you get this whole water shaft thing, right? But this this is like no mention of water shafts, like in this, like it's it's a focus on uh, Joab, and it says whoever strikes the Jebusites first shall be chief and commander. So now, like, what, what do you make of, uh, of, of this kind of different take on this? Well, I mean, the question always was in, in First and Second Samuel, because Joab was at, at the same time, you know, valiant and a really good general of the army, and yet toward the end he, he didn't avail himself very well. Um, but then he was redeemed. I mean, that, so the story of Joab is, and so this kind of gives the backstory as to where that came from, mm-hmm. uh, and you know perhaps it was Joab who led the group down the water up the water shaft. Yeah, uh, you know so um, and and then I don't know if and it probably wasn't as critical a point at the time, uh, but here in retrospect, Joab becomes a big macher there in the midst of all of this, and uh, and of course Joab is. Uh, I mean, he he doesn't avail himself very well when he deals with uh, with uh, David's son, but um, it, it is what it is. Joab's a big name, and so here in retrospect, we get his backstory, so to speak. I I like that. I mean, because it is interesting how Joab he he does become really big in in Second Samuel. We saw, but uh, I mean, you, you don't really get like kind of the the the, the rise of Joab. When you're reading right. First and Second Samuel, it's just kind of like Joab's. Up. Yeah, no, he's just he's there, right? I mean, he's there in in First Samuel. Like we we hear, yeah. him. I mean, we, we heard his name mentioned anyway. Sure. <laughs> and he and he's mm-hmm. and he's there, like kind of like holding stuff on the side <laughs> or something. Right. Um. And then, like, kind of all of a sudden, in Second Samuel eight, it's like Joab the son of Zariah was over the army, and you're like, whoa, hang on. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I guess he I guess he was promoted. Um. You know, but so it, it is interesting then that that Chronicles goes and makes the connection, and it's in in that way, it, it does kind of feel like you're saying like it's like this is sort of like a in hindsight filling in a blank here almost, like where it's like, 
okay, now the, the water shaft story, that was fun. You guys know that. But, you know, yeah, it, Joab did turn out to be um, a big deal. And so it, it kind of feels like the water shaft story is like the story that was told, you know, uh, you know, way, way back then, like right after it happened, right? That was the story that everyone was telling, like, hey, look, this is how we took Jeebus, right? But then this is a more mature reflection where you're looking back and you're saying, well, you know, the, the big story here really was, I mean, this is what really set Joab on the path to power. Yeah. And, you know, it's the omissions and the additions are always interesting. So, again, I sort of look at the Chronicler as doing these kind of broad strokes of history in retrospect. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I love, I wish, because whenever I read this particular portion in Second Samuel, I always vision that Monty Python scene where the <laughs> French are taunting the English from the top of the wall, right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> you're right. lame and you're, you couldn't even get in here with your lame and you're broken, blah, blah, blah. But, um, um, yeah, so that, that there's no dwelling on that. Right. It's just the the statement, you guys are not going to get in here. And then Joab does it, you know, and uh, and he's, yeah. So, um, again, it's that broad stroke, but they, but I, I think the Chronicler is filling in sort of a blank space about Joab to give him a backstory here. Well, and, and also too, right? Like, you know, people talk about turning points in history. Um, it's very hard to identify a turning point or even sometimes a revolution when you're in the middle of it, <laughs> right? Because yeah. the revolution yeah. hasn't happened yet. You know, like you're in the midst of it. And, you know, for, for you, you're just like, well, I mean, it's like, a, you know, right now, like the markets have been doing all kinds of crazy things, right? And, and, and uh, people talk about different things taking off and it's like how do you know that you're at the uh you know that you're on the e- on the edge of a bubble popping right how do you know that right. you're uh, getting on the ground floor of an asset before it goes up 200% right yeah. well you don't you'll know that in <laughs> like, retrospect right in retrospect right in retrospect you're like oh man like i wish i had bought i wish i had sold right but yeah. um you don't have the crystal ball at the time and so uh, i i think that for looking at joab here it's like you know maybe at the time, it was just sort of like, yeah, we don't, we didn't know that Joab was even going to last that long. We didn't know, you know, like he was going to be the commander today, and then you know he'd die, and the next guy be commander tomorrow. But so looking back on it, right, it's that it's that hindsight, I think. And um, yeah, as much as as you were as you were mentioning, we see kind of Joab, you know, he's he's got this super pragmatic side, which means that he he does some some bad stuff along the way too. But I mean, he does serve David with a with a with a kind of like uh, I, I don't know, kind of a pit bull's loyalty or something like that, yeah, right? Yeah, and like, so he's not all bad news. Right. And and he I mean he, he becomes really valiant throughout <clears throat> throughout the history of Samuel, but he just has his dips and his rises yeah, and that's just that's the right. way all of us are. None of us have a trajectory to heaven. That's right, yeah, no. It it, it is uh it isn't. Is it just uh, you know up and up? It's uh, up and down and up and down. You know that's the thing. You 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 bring up the stock market. Um, yeah, right. that's the, all the stock market is 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 a rec, is a reflection of human behavior. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and so when you see all these dips and these and these rises, that's just human behavior, and that's what we do, and that's what happened to Joab. 
Yeah, no, that's right. And, and, and yeah, you see all the, the emotions and the irrational thinking and everything else, too. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, mixed in with the, the rationality and the calculations. It's all, yeah, it's all there. Um, okay, so talking about the, the, the mighty men, then, right? I mean, um, it is interesting. In, in Second Samuel, this, this is hitting us like, you know, at the, you know, towards the very end. Um, here in, in First Chronicles, you know, this is, uh, you know, relatively, this is relatively early on still, right? Um, yeah, in Samuel, it almost appears like a, an appendix. Like yeah, we're right. We're just going to tack this on here almost to the end. It's not quite the end. The end happens, but we should mention this while we're at it. Yeah. No, that's and here right. It becomes a little more more significant, I think, because of where it's placed. Yeah, I, I think I think so. I, I mean, it, it kind of like uh, works with like the genealogies then too, right? Because right. it kind of mm -hmm. it kind of fits with that and um and, and in fact um well, well uh, kind of like along those lines right in in first chronicles and, and this is maybe one of the biggest differences here too right like you get like it's a you know like this i think it's a very kind of glorious picture um in, in first chronicles 12 it, it continues um and you get more of these you know you know like there's this awesome bowman right and uh you know these these guys who came from Gath, right? You know your his uh, his Gathite guys, and like and so you, it just it just keeps going, right? Like instead, of, like you were saying, this little appendix at the end, and of course Second Samuel ending with this, you know, oh, and then there was this census, oh no, right? Like that was a right. that was a that was a problem. But in in First Chronicles, it's sort of like you know these are the numbers of the divisions of the armed troops, and like you actually get numbers for like each of the each of the tribes and it's just kind of like uh i mean i mean there's no oh like god you know is really angry because he did that you, you know it's just kind of focusing on it as like wow yeah it's great that we counted look how much we have yeah and it, and it it's with the mighty men and i you have to forgive me for this this comes from my background but i i'm always tempted to play a little gematria on the scriptures oh sure i think that I think the numbers are kind of uh, important sometimes. And I'm yeah. always finding it interesting in this, because if you do a careful counting of the 30, it actually comes out to 37. Hmm. And and then there's the three that all these people did not attain to. Well, yeah. 40 is a number of preparation. So all these mighty men are part and parcel, if you will, of this preparation of this of this great kingdom that's about to take place. And then, of course, whenever you see three, it's very, very hard not to see God's presence in that. But, you know, these did not attain to the three. Well, we don't attain to the three. We can be mighty. We can be a mighty man in the in the in the establishment of God's kingdom in in our little circles wherever we are, as long as we understand. And I think it's interesting that the chronicler really points it out well. Is that but they did not attain to the three, and he says yeah. that you know a couple times. And, you know, we never want to attain to, to be God, but we can be mighty in our own circle. Well, so, yeah, we, we do we do have that. And um, and if, if I recall, I think that that little refrain, they did not attain to the three, is, uh, it was even, like, back in Second uh, Samuel, too, yeah. right? And interesting that sure. it's, like, in both, just, like, saying, well, but they're, they're not the three. You know, I mean, um, I, I mean, that being such a consistent message— um, it is. It is interesting. I, I'm not sure I'd actually counted that before. So there's there's 37 of the 30. Uh, if you, depending on how you count between 
between Second Samuel and First Chronicles, there's 37 names mentioned. Now, of yeah. course, there's textual variants. There's all kinds of things. Yeah. And I'm not going to swear to that 37, but I always, yeah. I always strike whenever I see 40s in the scripture, and of course David rules sure. for 40 years. Uh, yeah, 40 always gives me pause because of, of course, you know, 40 days and 40 nights, 40 years in the wilderness. There's, there's all these 40s, and I think, I think in some sense, when God gives us a 40, we should see what it's, in, what it's preparing us for. Yeah. Well, no, no, that, that's. I think I think that's totally fair, and I, I think it's worthwhile whenever you have numbers to like stop and look at them. Um, I, I think you're I think you're right that you know we have to kind of take it with a grain of salt because like you were saying, yeah. there's variants, and especially with these long names of lists, it's very easy for you know like for instance, we're looking at um, you know like uh, let's just take a look at when we kind of get or hitting the stride there, right? Where it's like. Uh, you know, it's a, for instance, like around verse 28 or something like that, right? You know, so you get, you know, like, Ira, the son of Ikesh of Tekoa, right. right? Well, Tekoa, right, that's a place name, right? right? And, like, we didn't actually have a whole bunch of place names, right? So, but that's the thing. So it's like, at some point, is it like, well, originally it was actually, you know, guy, father, place name, but then that got turned into... You know, just because of like textual corruption, um, guy, father, guy, father, right? And so, like, all of a sudden, we got two guys now, where before it was was one, right? right? So, and, I mean, and you never really know. I always yeah. assume when they throw in the place name is because there's a guy who has the same name somewhere else. Right. God differentiate, yeah. right? You know, it's like right. you know, it's no, 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 no. This, this is uh, this is you know, Da Vinci, right? D- very right. different guy, right? You know, it's more significant. Uh, yeah, right. So, you know, could could be that. I'll, let me ask you about a number, another number. Um, in general, like, so you got 30, you got three, and then this is something that we, we didn't have a chance to talk about when we looked at second Samuel, um, 300 is yeah. another number here, right? Yeah. I mean, cause you got, you got Abishai who wields his spear against 300 men. Um, that's yeah. in verse, what, that was verse 20. And then if I'm recalling, I think, didn't somebody yeah, else verse like 11? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. yeah that was, uh, yeah. Also a spear. Right, so right. awesome spears, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah, so this is a uh, Jash Jash Bam. Um, th- he has yeah, who's he's the chief, right? And so he wields his spear um, and kills three hundred. Uh, what do you make of that? Like, is I mean, three hundred is a recurring number with all the other threes also. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. I think. I honestly think whenever we see three, and, I, and you know, I have to deal with a lot of Jewish people who, of course, don't believe that Jesus is the, is, is the Son of God, and they're certainly not triune, and they, they worship in a dim sense the Father. Um, but, you know, we, we look at all the threes. I'm always fascinated by the three visitors who visit Abraham at Shechem. And, and you know, Abraham speaks to the three as one Lord. Um, and so, you know, I'm always in these kinds of, of of dialectical conversations with other people, trying to show them God's fingerprints on the Hebrew scriptures. And I think that these, anytime we see those threes, we basically see God's fingerprints. And the reality is that, you know, he couldn't kill 300 men with one spear without God being all over that. Right. Uh, you know, and those three hundreds are, are reminders of this is God being all over this. Yeah. 
Now, you know, in some sense, I'm tempted to go back to the little story of the cobbler who wore a belt that he killed seven in one blow, and it was flies. But, you know, they don't put that on the belt. Um, and for some reason, when I think of that story, I always see Mickey Mouse. So it must have been a Disney thing at one point. But, um, yeah. But, um, yeah, we we see this, and they, and these, you know, and there are all these renowned stories of incredible victories on the part of human of human beings. Uh, I think these are numbers just to remind you that this is a victory that was that God was all over. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, and certainly, regardless of kind of how many hundred, right? I mean, right. <laughs> if, he, if he kills one hundred men with yeah, a spear, exactly. it's like that's that's pretty remarkable, and you yeah. know, it makes you think like, well. It, I think he had some help, you know? Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's interesting too. Like, um, the fact that you do have variants and like that, like for instance, that first 300 number, you get a variant is, uh, 800 somewhere else. Right. And, uh, yeah. I, I'm not sure about the other one though. Um, but I think too, like when you, when you go and you compare, uh, second Samuel, I, I think that there's also like some variation. So it just makes you wonder. I, I mean, it makes me wonder anyway, if it's sort of like okay, well the numbers are, yeah, you know it's it was it was a, a few hundred, right? But then the chronicler is like putting threes because he's trying to like convey something, right? Yeah, and so and I think that you know we know it was a lot. Yeah, so, uh, right. And I do, I do think this is the chronicler sort of putting onto this the whole message of this, which is God is always with us. God is in this. God right. is always with us. Well, and, and so I mean that that is that is a you know a good news message for today, right? I mean, like because you, you think about this, I mean, th so this is David, right? And David, you know, he, um, yeah, he, I mean, he basically murders one of his most uh, trusted, you know, commanders of thirty mighty men. Uriah yeah. takes his wife; it's adultery. Um, I mean, there's a civil war there. <laughs> I mean, right? W w I mean, with with, it, with his own son. Um, I mean, like you said, there was a pretender with the with the son of Saul. I mean, all that stuff, right? Um, but then you look at Chronicles. Hey, in hindsight, look, God was just working through it all. I mean, I think it's really amazing to think about, you know, as bad as this year has been, how we might look back on it and say, "Wow, this is a tremendous year for the gospel. This is a tremendous year that Jesus showed that He was taking care of the church." The case. Yeah, I think we will find that to be the case. It doesn't so, feel like it when we're in the middle of it. Uh, no. You know, wonder, wondering why in the world am I messing with this dumb Zoom program to have worship? <laughs> yeah, but right. um, people are blessed. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, brother, thank you so much. Uh, our conversations, I always enjoy them, uh, especially As when we're looking at some good stuff like this. And I'll have to take a look at the, that book you were endorsing about Esther, anything about Esther. We're going to be looking at that pretty soon. But thank you. God oh, bless, good. brother. You bet. Blessings. Bye-bye. Everybody, Pastor Kevin Parviz, Congregation of Shalom, St. Louis, Missouri. Moving on. Till next time, everybody. I'm Pastor H.S. Spinoza. Peace. The Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at KFUO.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.